What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam getting out of Dodge Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well, sir. Very well. Thank you so much for asking me. I truly appreciate it. How you doing yourself there? I'm doing just swell. Yeah? Swell. Yeah? Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, my my life is a podcast. I was editing a work podcast before I came over here. I got another work podcast to record tomorrow. I'm doing this podcast now. Well, you must be building some sort of podcast empire then, aren't you? Not really. You would hmm. think. But, you know, I'm just a guy that puts things together at the end of the day. You're busier than Brad Rowland over here. You know, he's he kind of strictly focuses on basketball. Sure. And, you know... I mean, you've got this podcast where we're now, what we're kind of like a national sports slash culture podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, culture. We are very well cultured. <laughs> that just happens to touch on Atlanta professional sports every now and then. Yeah, you got your work podcast where you talk about ladders and how to build and sell them, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, that's what um, it's all about. Yeah, and you're gonna probably pretty soon have a podcast for uh, those who suffer from nickel and what was it, aluminum, uh, <laughs> pedulium. Adamantium, no. Uh, Propyl gallate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Your followers are really going to start coming out for, Yeah, for I that. think that's when we start breaking, like, you know, 500,000 people a week, listeners. Sure. Deal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. This is a good place to start. This is some fertile ground. Indeed. It honestly, probably saved my career. That's good. I guess. Uh, it's I like, oh, we need to make a podcast. Graham, just go do a podcast. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, for real. For real. Got it. Maybe not saved, but it definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. Consider yourself. This you is have... the third podcast I've done, Adam, since, I mean, this it started here. I did a podcast in my old job because of this, and now my new job. Yeah. I'm also doing a podcast. It's kind of crazy. Do you call it a career or a job? I don't know if I consider a career. I what is a career? A career to me is your professional work experience when you get to a certain age where that is your primary focus in life in terms of sustainability in terms of i'm sustaining myself through this job why is that not just a job it certainly can be but a job could comprise a career so for me like my professional career has been in technology through two different companies it's been two different jobs but it's still i would say it's so a career, career is the full length. It's the full length of your of your sustainable. Not like when you get some shit job when you're 16, but when you're you know you entered the workforce as a true professional, and you are at a job, multiple jobs. So Dansby Swanson is in his second professional job. Yes, of his career. Of his career. That's okay. been one long career. Okay, that makes sense. Swanson, that makes sense. Yeah. I hate I hate that term less than I thought I would. Yeah, that, that's all it is. <clears throat> okay. The jobs comprise the career. The career is the parent. The job is the child. Okay. That's good. Part of my career on this podcast is to <laughs> talk about the XFL. That's where I'd like oh, to start Jesus. today. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the XFL. As you mentioned, Pigskin Podcast Network. Got to talk <clears throat> some pigskin. Yeah. So Saturday night, had some people over. Um, you guys were doing your band practice thing. And I was like, hey, guys, you want to come over and watch the XFL? But I wasn't actually planning on turning it on. But then a couple of people got kind of excited about watching the XFL. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I explained all the different rules. And who was playing? They were playing in like some really 
really crappy looking minor league baseball stadium and it was raining. And after about like five minutes, it was just, it was unwatchable. And apparently ratings went down 50% this week, Graham. Yeah, because it's like everybody realizes how bad the XFL is. They don't want to keep watching that shit. Everybody misses but it's football. still it's still football though. But but the thing is, it's not the caliber of football that America expects. Neither is you know people watch high school football. Yeah, but high school football has years and years, decades of dedication. People, you know, are born, live, and die in small towns with high school football. They pass it on, you know, generation after generation. The XFL has had three iterations in twenty years, and they failed. Every time. There are no historic teams. No, that's There's, not true. They haven't failed yet. Well, they haven't failed yet, but I, you know, the, the president has been set for failure for that league. But the second one, that, that was COVID. That was unfair. They were doing okay. Still failed. It doesn't matter. Point is, I'll keep watching it. I don't have too much to report this week because it was just like brutal football. I think it was like nine to nothing or something like that. But the rain was horrendous. It was like they shouldn't have been playing in it. I've never seen football be played in such slop. The field was worse than the Super Bowl. But we did switch to MLS and watch the Atlanta United. Yeah, it was an exciting ending. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so their new – one of their new transfers, uh, Tiago Almada, I believe is his name. This kid's really good. Like 21 years old, and he scored two goals in stoppage time. It was just yeah, awesome I mean, to win two to one. Well, the stoppage time, too, I think it was like seven minutes. So even though that's yeah. – you know, a, a bit of a generous length to score two goals in seven minutes in soccer. I, we we know nothing about soccer, but that's batshit insane. And the fact that it was one guy who did it is even more insane. And so. from from what I hear, this kid he's like far above and beyond like MLS. It, like he's not going to be here long. Like he was on the World Cup team for, who? for Argentina Argent- that won oh, it all. Shit. Like yeah, right. this year, yeah, he's the only player in the uh, MLS right now who was on a World Cup team. That's a big uh, step up for Atlanta United, considering yeah. the, the caliber of player that's been here for a minute. So um, we got we got a stud. So yeah, especially with Joseph Martinez gone now, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, and he just like as a casual soccer fan. <laughs> I don't think you can call yourself a fan. That might be an insult. Casual soccer soccer fans. watcher. Yeah, observer guy. Uh, it was damn exciting. Like some of those goals were just absolutely sick and just like shocking and. It was like it. It did look like next level. It was like NFL versus XFL, you know, from what I'm used to seeing. Uh, so yeah, that's our Atlanta United and XFL report. Very good, very good. <laughs> so the people sure. want to hear. At least we talked about it. You know, you you did a great job segueing that into actual Atlanta sports news. So thank you, Graham. Proud of you. You know, it's all all part of my career. Oh yeah, part of your career. Yeah, this job is part of your career as well. You can mm-hmm. put it down as a, as a resume thing. It's true. If you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we got a lot of Hawks news, Adam. The Hawks with uh, two games, Joe Prunty as the interim head coach went 2-0. and They destroyed Cleveland, which was great. And uh, they beat Brooklyn Nets over the weekend as well on a Trey Young buzzer beater. He dropped like 34 points. So... Things looking a little bit more up for the Atlanta Hawks. And then they make the move to get the big fish they wanted as the the next full-time head coach, which is Quinn Snyder, who we talked about last week, the former Utah Jazz coach. We had a really nice run with Utah overall, as we talked about last week. 
He is here for five years and a lot of money. And uh, eight million yeah. a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Eight million eight a year, million a I year. believe. So it's like this is a big time investment by the Hawks. This is not a stopgap situation. Yeah, for reference, it makes him one of the highest paid NBA coaches in the league. Right. I mean, we we looked at you know Lloyd Pierce was definitely a stopgap coach, regardless of his fate. He was never going to be the guy. You know, this is a rookie head coach with a bunch of kids. And, you know, he was just there until they could find someone to take over. And then when McMillan went on that magical run, it was like, well, we can't get rid of this guy now. Something's obviously working, and obviously we know how that worked out. So now this is the coach on paper that we've been waiting for, a guy who is known for developing players, being a player's coach, caring about his players in the offseason, caring about their personal lives, um, Snyder's reputation is to be not just a guy that you're on the floor with practicing games and workouts. He's a guy that is going to be a central part of your life. That's how he's built. Is is that's how he that's how he operated in Utah. He was like friends with the players. It seems like. But I've heard he can also be like a bit of a hard ass. Yeah, no, no. It's not like he's just like, there to be a buddy. I think McMillan was a little more easygoing in practice, and that's not who. Yeah, Coach Quinn is. Yeah, and when I, and when I say a when I say like a friend, I don't mean like you know a parent that is your friend, but should be parenting more than they're your friend. I think it's like a balance where he's going to get to know the player, yes, and know what makes them tick, so that he can make them a better player. Correct. But he's going to go the extra mile, and he's yeah. not just going to keep it to just on-the-court stuff and, and treat people like they're indispensable or whatever. Or, excuse me, dispensable. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, and this is one of those cases, like, all we can do is, like, you know, take what we're hearing from the experts. And everything I'm hearing is just, like, very positive about yeah. this guy. It feels a lot different than it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, Mc, I mean, also, you know, McMillan's, like, past lack of success. So that made that just, like, not too exciting. Yeah, particularly in the playoffs. He and like just, a- like, lack of adjustments. That was already something that we saw. Yeah. So with with Snyder, who I keep wanting to call Coach Bro because of the you know the the Quinn Dan thing. Quinn, yeah. I mean, it does feel good to have a Quinn back as a coach in Atlanta. I'll say that much. Well, I don't think that has anything to do with. Hey, it. he took I us think. to the Super Bowl. Then he lost the Super Bowl. Did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> okay, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he he blew the shit out of that. I thing. forgot. I forgot yeah. that happened. Um, no, but the, the thing that I love about him is like Quinn. <laughs> I'll call him Snyder, <laughs> not the guy who. Uh, Blew the Super Bowl worse than someone blows chunks. Right, I'll, I'll try to stick with Snyder. Snyder, yeah, Snyder. Yeah, I got to get Snyder. I got it. Like, Snyder. Um, he doesn't have like a set system. He uses the personnel. Like everything you're hearing is like he is going to be the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, it all depends. Like in, in Utah, like before he had Donovan Mitchell, he had a different system. Then he gets Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, who's a big pick and roll guy. He adapts the offense to that. So that's exactly what you want. It's like the complete opposite of McMillan in terms of the flexibility. Yeah, McMillan was like, this is my system. We're running it no matter what. It was never – he never adapted to the personnel. Yeah. So. And there has to be a balance, right? I mean, I think – but I mean, it's great that he has that flexibility, but it's still going to come from him, and the players are still going to have to get adjusted to what he wants. But he's going to tailor it to them, which is cool. And he had a lot of success doing that. He was he went three seventy two and two sixty four with Utah. He never got past the conference semifinals though. 
and he had a very talented team with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, um, and others that escaped me at this time. So you wonder about his ability in the playoffs to a degree, but also the West is always really stacked. Stacked a lot more than the East. Um, who knows if that team had been in the East, maybe they could have made a finals run one year. You never know. So, but the basketball acumen is there. The success in the regular season is there. Um, it's not like he hasn't won playoff rounds in the playoffs either. So, you know, out of all the people that were available, you kept hearing things about like, I don't even know. No one else really. Like, this is all we've been hearing from the beginning. Well, like, we heard about this, but we also heard about, you know, guys like Kenny Atkinson and, and people like that. And it was like, there was no one there that has the resume of Quinn Snyder. Of, of his offensive, his ability to create offense, his ability to, being, to be a guy that builds chemistry, which this team needs more than anything in the world, to build chemistry within each other, to hold each other accountable, to develop leaders. You know, there was no coach out there that fits the pedigree that Quinn Snyder fits. Well, it was just so unique that he was available as well. Like him and Utah had like just mutually parted ways last yeah. year. He like resigned, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it was like just needed more family time or – whatever it was, but that that's why the Hawks moved so quick because this is the guy they wanted. That might have like affected the timing of not letting McMillan ride this year out. And it is like literally unprecedented to like bring in a new head coach from outside of the organization for a team that has a record. I mean, it's not great, but as good as the Hawks record is. Like this has not happened before no. for a coach to take over this late in the season for a team that's like in playoff contention. It's wild. And like we, we had it so wrong last week when we we're like, oh, even if they hire him, I can't see that happening, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's happening. He is yeah. coaching our Atlanta He's Hawks coaching right now as we speak. This. Yes, yes. We don't know how it's going, but uh, we'll find that out after the show. But – He's been saying a lot of the night, the right things. He's trying to not overwhelm players now. He's going to do some observing. He's going to rely on the staff that has been there and, you know, take it as it goes. So it might take a couple weeks before he starts sure, putting some tweaks on things. But I, I don't expect big-time things until the offseason, but he's, like, just assessing personnel now. And, yeah. and that was the thing, too, I was going to ask you about. Like, what are your expectations for even as, as great as his resume is, uh, the reputation, et cetera, et cetera? What is the expectation now for the Hawks for the rest of the season? Do we expect them to keep playing kind of the way they've been playing over the last couple of games? Do we expect them to get in the playoffs and maybe make some noise or something like that? Or is this just kind of like, or should we just say there shouldn't be any expectations because this is such an unprecedented situation? I mean, it does feel positive for the first time in a while. Yes, like, there's it, excitement. It, we, we have direction again. Like this seems like a great hire. You know, Kyle Corver and Landry Fields, like they've kind of been showing themselves that we got, we know what we have in them a little bit more. And um, Coach Snyder, not Quinn, <laughs> had like great things to say about them. And obviously he's gonna, but he's, you know. Yeah, they're his boss. They're his boss. Bosses. But like also for him, a guy like him to come here, he must have seen something in Fields and Corver to like get him to like, you know, want to go all in. Like yeah. he, he, he probably have a lot of suitors if he just waited a few months. Sure. Well, he but uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, he he does have a history with Corver. Corver are boys. For people that don't know, Quinn Snyder was a Hawks assistant back in the day when Corver played. So mm -hmm. there's that connection, and Corver was the one who made the phone call to get this negotiation started. Yeah. So okay. for all the shit we've been giving this organization, 
for their very, very odd front office structure and the way they've gone about things recently. On paper, this is a really cool move. So, And it's good that those are like Fields and Corver are like the names in the front office that you're hearing about. You're not hearing about ownership. You're not hearing about Nick Ressler. Nick Ressler, like they shouldn't be front and center. It should be Fields, our yes. GM. They're the basketball people. Corver, the assistant GM. Yes. And like the fact that they're ex-players must give them a lot of credibility with the current players and obviously with a guy like Coach Snyder coming in. So I, I feel positive. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I think just based off the two games you saw with Prunty in charge, who's still very much here and possibly you know trying to keep a job for next year with Snyder, he was making adjustments that yeah. were like great to see. Yeah, he's letting Jalen Johnson bring the ball up a lot more. Uh, Trey's minutes were down. Bogey's minutes were down. He's using all ten players. Um, he's being smart in the rotations too. Yeah, yeah, and you're exactly right. He's not running people into the ground. Which I mean, if this was twenty, twenty five, thirty years ago, that's that's how Nate McMillan coached. You know, he he had his core seven, eight people, and he just would run the starters. He ran the starters in the ground all the time. Yeah. And, yeah, it was great to see Prunty make those adjustments. Jalen Johnson. Um, I mean, the, the way that the, you know, DeJounte and and Trey play over the last couple of games is like, holy shit, this is what we've been waiting for, man. I mean, DeJounte was on fire in that Cleveland game, too. He almost had a triple-double. It was, um, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Scored 81 points. In one half. Yeah. So. I mean, they're Jesus. shooting lights out. You can't yeah. rely on that. But No, but I mean, I, th- I think it was also like they were fired up. That team was fired up and ready to, you know, they were freed from the shackles of Nate McMillan and they responded. They didn't. They weren't despondent. They were like, they ascended. It was, it was nuts. And yeah, we can't expect that to happen every single game, but I think uh, hopefully the improvements will just keep happening. If if the crazy it's going to be crazy if for the rest of the season the Hawks not necessarily play up to the potential like go on a finals run or something like that but if they are able to you know go on a run here win seven eight games in a row stop playing five hundred basketball be better than that and actually be a threat in the playoffs I think we'll know that things are probably headed in the right direction but even if they absolutely crumble it's still kind of like you can't. It, it's such an odd thing. It's so hard to judge this team based off what has happened, the coach in place now. You're right. It's totally unprecedented. It's going to be really hard to evaluate. And I, I think either way, most Hawks fans are probably going to overreact. I mean, looking at the Hawks subreddit over the weekend has been insane. Um, with people just going nuts about you know, getting rid of Nate McMillan. We're back. We're going to go on a huge run. Like this is what we needed. And it's like let's let's step on the brakes a little bit. We cannot have this knee jerk reaction is insane to me that all these Hawks fans are just going absolutely batshit about how like we're gonna be championship contenders now and stuff like that. And the fan, fan, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just fans screaming into the void of the internet, just like we're screaming into the void of the internet with this podcast. But it is nuts to me how. You know, the fans' mindset. And we've done this before. I've done this all the time. It's just one good thing happens, one bad thing happens. We just lose our fucking minds. Yeah. And and one thing, I, 
did you hear this podcast that came out? I mean, this is the beauty podcast is you kind of like so many like ex athletes are involved in them now. And like, you kind of hear the real scoop behind the scenes. Did you hear um, Chandler Parsons talking about Trey Young? So Chandler Parsons played for the Hawks a couple years ago. Um, very much a bench player. I don't, I don't remember him getting much run at all, but he said this whole narrative around Trey is just like false. Like Trey's been getting a bad rep recently. And like, you know, we've been guilty of it as well. Um, and like some of it was just like, people are like, Oh, he's run two coaches off now. And Chandler Parsons, who's like, he's like, dude, I've had like, you know, five, eight, I don't remember how many coaches he's had. He's like, I generally get along with a lot of people. Lloyd Pierce was an asshole. Chandler Parsons like straight up said right. that. Yeah. So it's, it's not just like Trey and you're hearing all the stuff come out about McMillan now. Um, so, I mean, it was good to, good to hear that like a veteran like that was like, no, Trey was great. He was always like hanging with, hanging with the veterans. He was super cordial and like yeah. a, n- a nice dude all season. Yeah. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting with Trey. I feel like Trey is supported by the fan base. Like he can do no wrong. Even when he does do wrong, he can do no wrong. <clears throat> and I think, you know, he does deserve his fair share of criticism, which we've talked about, you know, bad shot selection, not being in the huddle that last game of the Miami series last year still pisses me off a lot. Like that, that, that to me is not the sign of a leader, but all this thing about, and some emotional immaturity, but this whole thing about he's a bad teammate overall. He's a coach killer. It's like people just look at the results in terms of coaches getting fired and whatnot, but no one takes into account, hey, Lloyd Pierce lost the team. Nate McMillan lost the team. Guys can lose the team. And yes, there is blame to be spread around and, and, and everything, but it's like just to go, just be, you know, just to have this opinion that just because coaches are fired. That's Trey Young's fault is absolutely insane. It makes no sense to me that it's like that's that's the only explanation. Coach Killer and and Parsons did say something along the lines of yes, he could like stand to do some maturing. Yeah. still. And he's also we also have to keep in mind he's like twenty four. Yeah, we were doing beyond stupid shit when we were twenty four. Yeah, I mean we're still not mature now. Obviously, no, we still do stupid shit at age whatever thirty three. But I feel more mature today than I did five years ago. I would agree with that. Yeah. So people grow, people change. Twenties are still an odd age. Yeah, but I mean, we could also come out. You know, everything feels good now with the, like the first bit of good PR we've had all year. But you know, <laughs> we could come out and lose five straight. Right, and I, everybody's like, Quinn Snyder needs to go. Things are doom and gloom. Why do we do this? I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. People are crazy, man. Should have gone with Prunty, man. Should have stayed with Prunty. You see what we were doing? Yeah. Even the guy's never been a head coach in the NBA before. And he's still there right now. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned this too. I think one of the more fascinating things that will happen is how he will evaluate McMillan's staff. Will he just get rid of all of them? Will he bring in some of his own guys after the season? We know he's going to use uh, McMillan's staff for the rest of the year, but it'll, <coughs> but it'll be interesting to me to see how many people he retains and how many new people he brings in. Yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation and that you kind of do just get this like trial period. And people that would like automatically be nope going with my guys would be like okay this guy brings something to the table so yeah and I and I gotta think from his standpoint being the cerebral dude he is he's probably telling all these coaches like hey you have a shot to be here next year prove it to me show me why I should have you because if you come in and you don't make a statement about what you're going to do. And the coaches are all going to just wonder. 
but you also shouldn't say, I'm going to get rid of all you because then they're not going to give a shit. So, I mean, I would think that that's his message to the coaching staff. I have no idea what his message yeah, is. Yeah, he's publicly said, he's like, look, um, the staff is the reason the team is, like, energized and motivated right now. It's It's got nothing to do with me. So, there you, go. you know, he's putting the ball in their court, Yeah, if you will. And he's going to be leaning, you know, he's going to be leaning on them like crazy. Yeah. Get to know this, know this, uh, this roster, get to know other people that are helpful to the staff as well. I mean, as, he's probably going to do a full up and down evaluation of the organization while, you know, during this year. And then I, I think he's definitely with how young Corver is and Landry Fields are in terms of not only their age, but their front office experience. They're probably going to lean on him a little bit too. Like he didn't get the president of basketball operations title that we were both. Oh yeah. I forgot of. to mention that. Yes, that is good. Did not get that. Thank Christ. But I imagine he will be heavily involved in personnel decisions and a coach should be, but at the end of the day, that's, too much responsibility unless you are a Greg Popovich who's just, you know, once in a generation kind of guy that can do both. Yeah, I was seeing something about where, like, I'm, there could be, like, some sort of stipulation in his contract where, like, if there's a tie, like, it can go to him or something like that. But there's, like, multiple stakeholders and he's not going to have, like, final say over anything. Right. Like, it should be the front office making these decisions. Yeah, that's like, the like, the front office. Yeah. 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 Um, last thing, you know, I've, I've been wanting to – ask you this for a couple days now Mm. it's really important you know i just wanted to know your thoughts on trey young calling mike bellaho (laughs) so for those that don't know mike bell dukes and bell the 99 show have been giving trey young just unmitigated shit for not addressing the press and trying to hold him accountable for all that and some of their opinions were okay uh, but it, Mike Bell goes a step too far, I think, when he said, you know, that like Trey Young plays for me because I buy ten a ten pack of. Well, that was just in the tweets. That was in the tweets. So, so, so basically. But the response to the hoe was in the tweets too. Right. You know, basically Trey had like someone had the Hawks had tweeted out like the game winning shot, and Mike was like, "Yeah, two more like that. I mean, more like the last two, please." And. That's when Trey come out and say, I don't work for you, ho. Yeah, I don't work for you, ho. Yeah. <laughs> and then... It's a pretty good lie. Right, it's funny. And then Mike Bell says, well, I bought, I buy 10 uh, tickets to 10 games a year, so technically yeah. you do. And that's a that, terrible thing. Yeah, no, that, it, that's, uh, that's a bad take. Yeah. It's, now, I don't think Trey Young should have called him a ho. I think that's kind of bullshit, well, too. Well, it's not because of the tweet. It's I mean, it, he's... You know, these athletes hear oh, everything they hear they're said yeah, on they're the probably, radio. He's yeah. probably fed up with And he's shit. just been, like, laying into him, yeah. like, nonstop yeah. for, like, so a month like, now. Yeah, this is, like, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I think it's it's a poor reflection on Mike Bell to respond the way he did, because not only is that just not accurate. And Trey responded, and he's like, you're not the owner. I don't – you know, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. It's not like we're the Packers and the season right. ticket holders. Right, exactly. Owner. That would be a situation where it's, like – the players play for the owner. Mike Bell's a customer. Mike Bell is a customer. And you can make the whole argument of, you know, as a customer, play for me, but I think it's just kind of bullshit. There's also, I could see how someone could interpret that uh, racially as well. Um, not that it was, not that Mike Bell is racist, but that the comment could be perceived as racially insensitive, I think, too. Was that one of the talking points? That's the first time hearing about that. No, that was just my interpretation of Got it. Got it. Um, so it was, it's a really 
bad look, I think, for, for Mike Vell, big time. I think he loses um, He loses there, would be my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and, and like they are like – those two guys are entertaining to listen to. I don't think they're the best like sports minds in no. Atlanta they talk put on radio. They an entertaining show. They do. And like this is what – I mean, they get clicks. They get people talking oh, about him. He's got to be doing it, it – it's almost like a Skip Bayless move. Yeah, I mean they're – Potting the bear sort of thing to get a reaction. There were SI articles about this incident this week. Oh, yeah, week it's and, blowing up. Yeah. I'm sure their ratings are blowing up too. I'm sure they're getting more national ratings than they uh, – have in the past yeah. so. i sat there and watched the, like the whole 14 minute response to them the next day after right. this blew up sunday night or right. monday night whenever that was i did uh, too yeah i don't usually do that so i mean it's working it worked yeah so i mean it's, it's, that's the thing there's always an ulterior motive behind every comment that someone has a high profile uh there's, there's always some there's always some subtext there it's not just the comment it's to get something that they want which is media attention more more ears <laughs> on the radio, more ratings, whatever you want to call it. I, I just think the, the biggest takeaway out of this is the next time one of your friends asks you to do anything, just respond with, I don't work for you, ho. Yeah. That's what I'm getting out of yeah. this. No. Like, it's it's like, I, I, I haven't taken this seriously. I think it's, like, kind of funny and, yeah. you know, I'm not mad at Trey for his response. Like, no. good on him. Like, if you talk shit, you got to be able to take shit. Right, exactly. So... Yeah, hopefully better better uh Hawks PR in the future. Yeah, and I don't but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that yeah, Trey could have addressed the media on the first day that McMillan was gone. Yeah, no, I don't but, think there's anything wrong uh, he needs more accountability yeah, for. Yeah, no, a 1000%. We need to hear from our franchise yeah, star. He left DeJounte and JC holding the bag. Um but apparently the second day was there was actually a real personal issue that has not been disclosed and that's the reason he didn't address the media then so but they ne- they never relented on that they still thought it was all a bunch of bullshit but until i hear that it's bullshit i'm going to i'm going to side with trey on that that second day but um yeah i totally understand the first day but they 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 sensationalized it they made it sound like he was uh i don't know like he had committed genocide or something. Like they were just giving him so much shit. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a great look. He should be there, but we're going to forget about this in like a few weeks. Well, Graham, you got to think sometimes we have a tough time filling 45 minutes of air once a week. Yeah. Imagine how it is for them doing four hours a day for five straight days. Oh yeah. You got to come up with crap to talk about. So that's, that's all this is. No, for sure. For sure. But still, it's just kind of like a, come on. Sure. There's other things going on in the world, especially because they can talk about national stuff more so than we can. So. <laughs> That's true. For the love of God. We got these producers just hounding us. Stick to the script, man. Atlanta script. professional sports. Yeah. We don't want to hear about the XFL or Propagallate, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Good God. Well, that's uh, that's your Hawks report. Unless you have anything else which you want to chime in on. Nope. All good, Graham. All right. Let's hear a word from our friends from DraftKings, and then we will talk some Braves spring training and the release of a Falcon. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. 
So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. All right, I'm not going to bet on the Hawks because every time I do, the inverse happens. So here's what we're going to do this week. Minnesota and Oklahoma City, a very exciting game on Friday, March 4th. The Thunder are getting nine points. And I think you should take it because whenever the Thunder, seems like whenever the Thunder are a big road underdog, they seem to step up. The Thunder had the best cover rate. And I'm not just saying this. I have stats to back this up. The Thunder had the best cover rate in the NBA at 66.1%. And that's because they've gotten a lot of big spreads. So they don't need to win. They just need to cover by nine. And actually, they are not on the road. They are at home. So that's also good news. They cover 60.7% of the time at home. So take the Thunder over Minnesota Friday night with the Thunder getting nine points. So here's what you got to do, Graham. Thanks for those great bets, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, I take a lot of stock in your NBA you, bets. You were listening. And, you, and in your and your NFL bets, Graham. NFL bets aren't bad. You could take those to the bank. But for this one, in order to go to the bank, you need to download the app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right. And we're back. Brave Spring training started, Adam. I don't know much that happened over the weekend, so... Let me f- it's a largely fall on you, sir. Let me fill you in on some uh these are just the Adam tidbits, aka things I care about. Braves are one and two, Graham. Remember that year the Braves didn't win a spring training game until like a week left in spring training. They were like oh and eighteen or something like that. Vaguely. Yeah, and everybody was wigging out. It's pretty crazy yeah. for that to happen. Um so but, good that we've won a game. Yes, and things that matter, Vaughn Grissom is off to a scream and start. Good. He sent like 571 in two games. was three for three today. Excellent. So that's good. Yeah. How's his defense? I haven't seen or heard too much about that. That's good. Yep. I'm sure it's been fine. Yep. Um, my boy, Kevin Pillar, be on the lookout for him. Two for three today with the home run. Batting leadoff. Very good. I think he could be a wild card in that at least bench spot race. Yeah, I think so too. I think just with the, the pedigree. So, and it's good that he's gone off to a nice start, but I think it's also just that veteran presence that coaches value so much. Sure, sure. Um, and then in the not so great news, the battle for the fifth starter is not off to great start. No. Elder got shelled, and my boy, Ian Anderson, lasted one and a third innings today, gave up two home runs. <laughs> couple walks i guess that slider is in uh it was, sliding. It was bad yeah but you know he's to the point like I, i'm gonna say it doesn't matter but he's to the point where it matters a little bit well just think about how last season ended i think it, i think the performance does matter i don't think this first performance matters as much because it's the first one but if after three we're seeing the same thing no he's on the clock he's got he's got to get serious and yeah no it, he does I, I think this whole pitch clock speaking of clocks it's gonna be like that's gotta mess with some of these guys well, that was the For big sure. news also over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Wait, didn't we discuss that on the pod? Oh, that was in no. person. We discussed yeah, that. That's right. Person. Wow, we didn't I save see it for the pod way too often. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, the Braves lost their first game because of a pitch clock violation by the batter who just like wasn't in the box and ready to go. Like, they cannot let that happen in a regular season game. Wasn't the call also controversial because like, like the batter was in the box? He was in the box. Yeah. The the. The problem with this, and, and like, because he has to be ready when there's like eight seconds or more on the clock. Yeah, and apparently he's like moving his feet or something. But he's pretty much ready. So calling a game over for like something as small as that is is ridiculous. If he's out of the box at that point, so be it. If he's in the box, just just let him play. Like the problem with this, and I, I'd love to like argue with like just a baseball purist about this rule. Like after we have like a couple months of data to see like what is really happening but like this is getting to like nfl shit like where we're gonna have to like what is a catch did he have possession did he make a football move what is a football move was he in the box was he looking at the pitcher while in the box like i don't want to get into all that i don't like i wish they would like not do it in the ninth inning or something like that but, i don't think you can do but that. that ain't gonna if happen you're, if you're doing it the whole game you gotta keep it keep it that way yeah unfortunately which is exactly how I feel about extra innings. Like, don't change it. It's, it's working fine. Sure. But um, totally different subject. Yeah. Well, you know, this is also the umpires are getting used to this shit, too. You know, I think this is as important of a spring training for umpires as it is for... Nah, as, as for the players. Because the players have a hell of a lot more to do. But this is... The spring training, we'll be watching the umpires a hell of a lot more than we ever have. Yeah, you know, because of this pitch clock rule and how they enforce it, I guarantee that just because that umpire made that call, another umpire is not going to make the same call. Just like plenty of referees have said something's a catch, where other referees in analogous situations have said it's not a catch. Yeah, I'm sure the league's eyes are all over them, and they'll they'll learn, they'll progress. It's it's still not March. Tomorrow's March, Graham. Tomorrow is March. Well, today is March when people will be listening to this. But yes, Sure. sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Sean Murphy's defense. Okay. And this was a great point that was brought up on the 755 is Real podcast. They are back. They are live. Great podcast if you haven't listened to it. Um, but they were talking about just like watching – this is David O'Brien and Erica Flaherty watching the catcher's drills and just how – you know, there's like four catchers in camp, including Travis Darno, who's like a fine defensive catcher. Not like amazing, but pretty good. And, like, watching Sean Murphy's arm, they're, they're just saying, like, he is just, like, next level. And this year, it's just so crucial because, like, the back pick is going to be such a bigger oh, deal. back to first. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, think Javi Lopez against Manny Ramirez in the 95 World How Series. You, you know? So, like. Javi just had to make a play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, that's going to be a real thing because catchers, they don't have any limits for how many times they can throw to first, second, third, whatever. And. Um, Sal Fasano, our catcher, catching coach. And I, I think Eddie Perez is still... Eddie Perez is still around. Yeah. yeah. So they've been saying like the last five years, they haven't even done drills like this. Yeah. And so now like re- this year, it's like it. cranked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Sean Murphy's throw, they're, they're low. Like the pitcher needs to get the hell yeah, out of the he, way. He can't duck. And yeah. like from what they saw, like he, he, like he never missed the glove by more than like, you know half a foot yeah this is not a Gabe Peacock situation where he's too hopping it to, to second base so this is one of those things like 
is this Anthopolis? Yeah, I get that reference, Graham. Not many other people I know, will. But it just makes me laugh. I appreciate it. <laughs> but is this an Anthopolis just like next level move? Because like we knew about that rule in September. He makes this trade in December. Like Contreras defensively, like he can't hold Sean Murphy's jock. And if this is just going to be like a huge part of baseball this year, like is that just like Anthopolis – you know, playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Yeah, if if he's as good as advertised and he has enough of a reputation at this point that I believe he is, and beyond the spring training story. And would you take into account the rule changes? Yes. I would say, like, yeah, if everything plays according to the script, then this could be a thing where we could see, and maybe this is a little hyperbolic, but we could see Sean Murphy potentially set a catching war record or D war record. Oh, because sabermetrics. Yeah. Because of how much more valuable and maybe how much more actual pickoffs will be successful from his end potentially. So if they're working on this and this becomes part of the strategy, since the pitcher only gets what two pickoff moves. Yeah. So that's how you keep right. People close. This is how you keep people yeah. close. So this he could pretend and you know taking into account the rest of his defense but you add him picking off people that's only gonna make that war number go up he could if he's as great as everyone's saying there's a possibility that he's gonna be even more valuable as a defensive catcher than he's ever been and everyone already cites him as top two or three yeah pretty exciting it is yeah like I, i feel like once we get into spring training like i've been you know i've been all over left field fifth starter i kind of forget about like our biggest offseason acquisition a little bit like i kind of just take him for granted that like he's going to be there he's going to be like good i don't right. know if he's gonna be great but um well i think that's just because, things like that that's gonna yeah. be fun to watch yeah the defensive track record is there there isn't a question the only question with sean murphy is how good is he going to be defensively it's not that is he going to be good defensively whereas left field is a total question mark so is the the battle for the fifth starter total question mark so we're thinking about that more um, I would say that's why it's not on our. It's not on my mind. Not either. to mention shortstop. We haven't talked. About, I mean, and of course, shortstop. technically it's a battle, but like it is Vaughn's to lose. Vaughn's to lose, hundred percent. If he comes out swinging like this, yeah. I, I feel like we kind of forget about his bat a little bit, and like we're kind of just focusing in, on his defense. Is right. it going to be there? Right. But I mean, if he's hitting like this, like it's yeah, it's going to be a no brainer. But you know, let's see how he keeps doing over spring training and through the course of this, you know, the first few months of the season. Yeah. I'm never going to get too excited about someone raking in spring training. No. Just can't do it. Sure. But it's still encouraging to hear that he's doing well so far. I'm just yeah. not going to be like, oh, my God. No, you know? obviously not. But, yeah. you know, a lot of these battles are going to be decided on the field in spring training, so they are worth Yes, they're worth monitoring, yeah. especially once we get into, like, the second and third week of spring training when the grind really starts and we start to see, like, you know, patterns and, and behavior patterns and how well or how poorly guys are doing. That's when we're really going to start. That's when spring training is going to get really interesting. It's not this week, not next week, but you know, three weeks from two or three weeks from now, it's going to be really cool. And don't forget about the World Baseball Classic, though. That's going to kind of World Baseball Classic. We know Acuna's playing. That's going to screw things up a little bit. Yeah. Acuna's playing. Ozzy Albies is not. I don't think anyone else from the organization is playing, unless I'm Chadwick Trump is playing. Okay. Well, no one that's on the big that's expected to be on the big league roster is is playing. I believe. I haven't done all my research there. I, I just hope we don't have any pitchers. Yeah, no pitchers should go. I'm kind of concerned about Acuna going, but I also. Oh no! Kind of uh, Rosario's going. Rosario's going. 
Okay. But I kind of want those guys to get more reps in high-pressure situations before the uh, season starts just because they both battled injuries for yeah. the majority of last season. So I think that's okay. Still a little worried about them, particularly Acuna, but, you know, whatever. you got to rip the Band-Aid off at some point. And he has said that he is 100%. He's good. His knee is ready to rock and roll. He was very open last year that his knee was not ready to rock and roll as much as he thought it was. And I think he knows his knee situation better now than he did, you know, in June of last year. So, Yeah, here's the full list of Braves. Ronald Acuna, Luis de Avila, Roel Ramirez, Alan Rangel. <laughs> it's not Alan Rangel. Yaxel Rios. Puerto Rico, Eddie Rosario, Puerto Rico, Chadwick Trump. Netherlands. Netherlands. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Acuna, we're most concerned about. Rosario, we want, like you said, we want him to get that time. Yeah. So, that's good to see no pitchers, though. Yes. Of, of, of no. importance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the Braves report. In Falcons news, Adam, Marcus Mariota is no more, at least with the Falcons. And the Falcons save about $12 million against the salary cap, which will come in really handy for offseason acquisitions, player extensions, any raises that have to come due to union rules, things like that. We all knew this was, this was coming based off how last season ended, but now it's official. Good riddance, I say, to Marcus Mariota, considering how he quit on the team last year. He, he served his role for, like, you know, and he was a good guy. People liked him. Mm-hmm. If he had played a better quarterback, he'd probably be back, if we're being honest. But for $12 million, obviously he's not coming back the way he quit on the team. That sucks. Allegedly, he's still mentored Ritter. I'm using air quotes here yeah. because he was, like, texting him during games oh, and stuff. But well, no. See, that, that's where I disagree with you a little bit in terms of the role. I don't think he fulfilled his role. Well, if he had played better. Well, not just playing better, but quitting on your team and leaving your rookie quarterback that you're supposed to be mentoring – left hanging in the that wind. That certainly blew it at the end. Is is not fulfilling your role at the end of the day. Yeah. But no, I was I was glad to see it cuz it, it was like, "Huh, when when's this release coming?" I was starting to get half worried for a second, mm-hmm. but he had a press conference today and like he's still not naming Ritter like a starter. Like that they're not going to do that. So like we're going to be bringing in a veteran at least could be moving up in the draft. We still don't know. Um but he's not going to name Ritter the quarterback. It's like, why would I paint myself into a corner like that? I think that's wise not to do that. I think it's, it's, it's wise for a number of reasons. One, you lose any sort of uh, trade leverage if you're going to make a trade for a veteran. Two, if you do wind up drafting a quarterback, then that quarterback's like, well, I guess I have no chance since homeboy here is the the fucking starter. Um, I'm I'm going to be on the bench to start the year no matter what, I guess. And, yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously the right move not to do that. Or not to say that. And also, lastly, it gives Ritter too much of a confidence boost going into the season, I think, in a bad way. It, makes it, it can make him complacent. Yeah. So, wise move by Terry. I really hope we don't draft the quarterback. Really hope we don't. What do you think about... I'm conflicted on this myself. I'm fine with, even if Ritter sucks this year, I'm fine with it as long as the defensive line improves. That's all that matters to me. Well, see, Graham, I was in the middle of talking, and that wasn't my question to you. Sorry. 
I just felt like I had to make that point as to why I don't want it in a quarterback draft. Gotcha. As if people couldn't guess that if they're <laughs> if they listen to the yeah, show. Yeah, that's before. fine. No, Grandma, this is the second important question of the podcast that I want to ask you. This one's a little more serious. Mm. What are your thoughts about bringing Matt Ryan back to be a backup quarterback? I I had the same exact thought a couple of days ago when I saw Matt Ryan was at the Hawks game. Yeah, it got people talking. I would love to do that. I think he would be a perfect mentor for Ritter. Hell, he might see some game action again. Um, I'm all for it. If he wants, if he would come back, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't, since the Falcons treat him like absolute shit last year when they're pursuit of Deshaun Watson. But if he was able to come back, I am totally in favor of that. And I wouldn't have the expectation of him coming in here to come win a Super Bowl or be the franchise quarterback or anything. But it would go a long way to have him here to mentor Desmond Ritter or whoever else they get to be a young quarterback. It would do a lot to, I think, repair that damage, and also it would help the franchise. Um, Not just in terms of the results in the field, but maybe not this year, but also down the line because he has so much wisdom and so much experience to give to these young players. You don't think that would be too much pressure on Ritter, though? Like i got to step into the greatest quarterback the franchise has ever seen, his shoes. Um, and he's breathing down, breathing down my neck. He still wants to play. I think it would be good for him. But, Bring in so in this scenario, you, are, you would have to name Ritter the starter, though, from the get-go. You, we, we saw Matt Ryan in Arthur Smith's system. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. But he's got better offensive line now, to a degree. Um, this is dangerous, Graham. This is dangerous. This is, I, this is making me fall in love again. Yeah, no. I, I, I see I see you going down that road. Yeah. I, I I would much rather see a Ryan Tannehill brought in to be a guy to maybe push him. You think? But Tannehill sucked last year, too. Not that Matt Ryan was great last year, but a lot of that was, once again, the offensive line was freaking terrible. He was sacked the most in the league again. Yeah. I'd prefer a Ryan Tannehill, a Teddy Bridgewater. Someone, someone that could really – that isn't a 16-year player that is at the end of his I think room. that's just – there's too much – Not it's not even that. It's just, like, too much baggage with this franchise. It, it's kind of like a step backwards. Like, I agree he would be, like – if he would officially retire and be in more of a – He's the quarterback know, coach. Chipper Jones yeah. role with the Braves now. That, that could be cool. That's different. I think him, like, just any thought that he could possibly suit up, that's – Dangerous. But you saw how he handled when he got benched. He got benched twice last year and handled no, it with such. No, he would be he would be great. He, but it, I think he would accept different. that he could be the backup, but also know that if he's called upon, he can go out there and do. But something you know, he it. wants to go start. Somewhere. Of course, you know he wants. I, to I don't know why he would go anywhere just like expecting to be a backup. Like but, he's he's got all the money in the world. Yeah, but I don't think. I don't think anyone wants to make him a starter at this point. Exactly. So I think he just retires. He could just retire. I mean, he looked good in that suit on uh, CBS during the playoffs. So yeah, no, it's intriguing, and like I, I would have certainly loved to have him back in the role Mariota was, like if it were like different scenario. But I think there's just too much baggage there. Yeah, for there that could to, be there for that to be. work. I don't, I don't think Arthur Smith would, you know, bring that controversy into the locker room. Maybe not. But also, Matt Ryan doesn't bring controversy. I think he would accept the role. I think he, I think it'd be okay. It's, it's too soon. It might be too soon. If he did retire and wanted to still be involved with that's the team, that's completely different. That's yeah. completely different. 
but I, I understand where you're coming from. But I think I think it could work, but it could also be weird. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and I and I can understand too. A, a desire for a Tannehill or Bridgewater or someone of that that ilk. A lot of people are talking about like Josh Darnold and shit. That's the last person I want to come in here. Josh Darnold. Josh Darnold. Yeah. He has his moments. Yeah, but he, he's he's officially broken. I think. If I if I'm gonna bring someone in here to really push uh, Ritter, then I want to bring someone that is not too far removed from success. And I think the guy that to the top of my mind, the person that comes to the top of my mind with that is probably Tannehill, even though he had a really bad year last year. I think well, you're bringing someone. That's the guy I would bring in. Derek Carr. Derek Carr, you got to pay a ton of money to. And he would absolutely be expected to be the starting quarterback. Oh, yeah. And I would hate that. Why? It's too much money. Uh. you got to take advantage of the rookie quarterback contract. I want any excess cash going to a high-priced defensive lineman that can come in here and really make a difference. I do not want to pay an aging Derek Carr $35 million a year. Because that cuts in your salary cap. And the Falcons cannot afford to do that with a quarterback right now. So you're Team Ritter all the way, basically. I'm Team Ritter all yeah. the way. I do not care if the Falcons go to the playoffs this year. I care about – it's not about this year. It's about next year. If you build the defensive line right and the linebacking core right this year, you can do anything you want the year after that. Then I'm fine with trading a bunch of draft picks for whoever. You know, I'm fine with going all in. But you can't do that until you have the foundation of your franchise in place, which is the trenches, and they do not have that yet. Must fix defensive line. And I think that wraps up the show, Adam. I agree. <laughs> as soon as you start talking about, about the, the trenches, trenches that's what I clock out myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair, Graham. It's yeah. fair. No Derek Carr. Please. Don't do it. And no Lamar Jackson either. That whole situation is just blowing up. Last last thing I want. Um, all right. We'll see you all next week. Keep it real. Until then, rise up. Chop on. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospital, so. Hospital, so.